And good evening. Welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. And this is Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on this podcast that we call Sunshine USA, a podcast dedicated to the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the Word of God. So great to have you tuned in on this uh, wonderful, wonderful Sunday evening. Uh, It's been a beautiful day today, but I tell you folks, it's also been a hot day here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I live and where I record this program. Uh, It got up to a sizzling hot 92 degrees today. Amen. So that's just uh, evidence of the fact that it's going to be a long, hot summer, I do believe. Uh, But it is great to have you tuned in to the podcast called Sunshine USA. Uh, I noticed a lot of churches are doing creative things as we go into this particular time of the year. Over at San Susie Church, the church I go to here in Greenville, South Carolina, which is located just across the road from where I live, uh, they had an outdoor service this morning. I wasn't able to be here. My health just wouldn't cooperate this morning, but I was able to watch it from across the street and also listen to it on Facebook Live. Uh, a great service, great testimonies. It was uh, just a wonderful service. And of course, uh, Lenny Miller is doing a great job as the pastor of San Susi Church, and he's only been there about a few years, I believe, about four years, something like that. But he has done such a fantastic job in that particular period of time. And um, the church is growing. (laughs) I tell you what, folks, it is growing. We had uh, four years ago, I think, just a handful of members. And now, you know, it is just uh, overflowing with members, Uh, probably around 80 to 100 members. Uh, it, It is just great to see all those people out there today having a good time and They had some inflatables for the kids, and they had hot dogs and hamburgers for lunch after the service. It was just a a good time had by all. And another service, the Paris Mountain Church uh, here in Greenville, South Carolina, they did something similar uh, for their service today, and so that was great. Uh, Great to see uh, many of these churches doing very creative things. as we approach the summertime and you know the interesting thing is uh, some of these things we didn't even do until the pandemic came along and we had to find you know creative ways to have church and now uh, we have found some of these ideas are really great in terms of outreach and as a result we still have outdoor services Uh, we still have live streaming services and even though many churches now have gotten back into uh, the in-person worship mode and rightfully so uh, they're still live streaming their services just like they did during the pandemic and so in many ways uh, the pandemic has ended up being a blessing to churches all across America because of the fact that it's given us some creative ideas that we can use in terms of reaching a lost and a dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Amen.
<laughs> and I'm in favor of anything that does that. Amen. Well, let's uh, get out our Bibles and turn in our Bibles too. Um, let's see. Turn in our Bibles too. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Or we're actually going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 first. The last few verses there. Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. Uh, we spent a great deal of time on the broadcast yesterday evening talking about uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And they were wonderful gifts to take a look at. And Paul said we can even desire these gifts, especially the greater gifts. Now, I do not believe that all Christians have all gifts. Uh, in fact, I tend to think it would be very rare that a Christian would have all the gifts of the Spirit. But I do believe with all my heart that uh, every Christian has at least one or two gifts. And these gifts are what allow you to become a valuable member of your church. It allows you to do uh, various things that will help your church grow, that will help your church reach out to others. Now, what are some of these gifts? Paul mentions them in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. He uh, talks about um, um, the fact that God has appointed apostles, uh, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, uh, those with uh, healing, helping, administration, various tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles. Um, not everybody does everything. But I think you'll find that in many churches, you will have somebody in the church that will have at least one or two uh, gifts of the Spirit. And you put all these together, and you probably have all the gifts of the Spirit in every church. And God has uniquely equipped, I believe, every church to do whatever it is he's called that church to do. And by the way, this is very important. Just because your church is called to do something, that doesn't mean every church is called to do that. Not every church is called to do that. But God has called your church to do certain things that other churches are not called to do. Now, it might also be that your church is not called to do things that some other church is called to do. Um, I remember <laughs> a situation that I talked about just in the last broadcast about this one church. They built a very expensive uh, family life center, which is essentially a gymnasium, except you know, if you're trying to raise money to build a building, it's harder to raise money for a gym than it is to raise money for a family life center. So a lot of churches, for that reason, call it a family life center. I mean, let's just be practical here. But I don't necessarily believe it's God's will for every church to have a family life center. Some do, and it's great if they do. But not every church probably needs one. It all depends on the particular ministry that God has called on your church to do. But anyway, this one church, they built a family life center. 
they felt like they just had to have one because every church in town had one and by golly they wanted one too well guess what <laughs> uh, they built it and a few weeks after they built it the pastor that led them to build it resigned and you know what happened if you know your church history uh, Baptists left that church in droves many went to a nearby town where the pastor decided to pastor another church and they helped him do things there and so that church was left with a tremendous loss of members a tremendous loss of income and had it not been for their ability to merge with another church that church probably would have ended up in foreclosure and that would have been a sad testimony for that church and really for God's churches in general fortunately in that case everything worked out but disaster nearly took over all because that one church felt like they had to have something that they really didn't need and they really could not afford now Paul says at the end of chapter 12 but I am going to show you a more excellent way in other words just as it is important to have at least one or two of these gifts there's something even more excellent for you to have and that's something that we find in 1st Corinthians chapter 13 and now we're going to start reading verse 1 and see if we can find out what this is here we read if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love I am only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have absolute truth um, or absolute faith so as to move mountains but have not love I am nothing if I possess uh, give all I possess to the poor and exalt in the surrender of my body but have not love then guess what he says folks I gain nothing now think about this for a moment Paul's mentioning some extraordinary capabilities here he said uh, what if I had the ability to speak in the tongues of men and of angels well that would be pretty extraordinary right right especially you know if you're a multi-language person and you could communicate fluently with people all over the world you can understand in the business world you would be highly in demand and there are a number of ministries that would find you to be in demand as well but he says if you had that ability but you had nothing but you did not have love then guess what it doesn't amount to anything he said if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge he said if I don't have love it wouldn't amount to anything now by the way the gift of prophecy also includes the gift of preaching Paul said if I had the gift of preaching you know and could preach uh, up one side and down the other it wouldn't amount to anything if I didn't have love if I had faith so that I can move mountains think about how wonderful that would be 
if you had the kind of faith where you could move mountains. Uh, that would be quite marvelous, wouldn't it? But he says, hey, if I don't have love, it doesn't profit me anything. If I have not love, it doesn't profit me anything. He says, if I give all I have to the poor, as wonderful as it, that would be, I mean, I'm sure that whatever amount of money you wanted to give to help the poor, that would uh, probably uh, be a great thing. It would help a lot of poor people. But he said, you know, if I do not have love, then it profits me nothing. Then he goes on to say, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no account of wrongs, love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be restrained. Where there is knowledge, it will be dismissed. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial passes away. Now, I want you to notice something here. Paul is talking about how wonderful love is. Now, by the way, some of the verses that I just read to you, I have uh, heard these verses read before as part of a wedding ceremony. And they would be well suited for that purpose. Especially where it talks about love never fails. And uh, he talks about love being patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no accounts of wrongs. Love's take, love takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Uh, like I say, those words I have heard many times in a number of wedding ceremonies over the year. And by the way, that can be a good thing. A very appropriate thing. And love is something that all of us need. It should be the foundation of everything we do. And one of the things that ought to identify us as Christians is the fact that we have love for each other. We have love for each other. That ought to identify us more than any other thing. Love for each other. And I hate it when I hear about bickering and fighting in the church and divisions in the church. Folks, I am here to tell you that should never be. And I, I tell you, when that takes place, I think it breaks the heart of a loving God. He wants us to love each other 
and get along with each other as best we can. Now, that doesn't mean that we're always going to agree with each other. I, I was thinking the other day, I said, you know, there's very few preachers that I agree with everything they say. But yet, I, I love them and appreciate them as fellow preachers. There's nothing in the Word that says that we have to agree on everything. And that's a good thing because we probably will never agree on everything. I think, however, we can agree on the most important things. Amen. Paul goes on to say, When I was a child, I talked as a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I set aside childish ways. Now think about that. Think about some of the things that you did when you were a child, but hopefully things that you no longer do. You know? Uh, kids have a tendency to be self-centered. Kids have a tendency to want everything their way. But you know, hopefully these are things that we outgrow as we become older, more mature adults. Hopefully the more mature we become as adults, the less childish we become. Paul goes on to say, Now we see, but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now, some people say back in Paul's day, mirrors were not in many ways as great as they are today. If the metal, for example, that they were looking at was polished, they could see a reflection of themselves. It might be a, a dim reflection. It may not be the best reflection, but it was a reflection. And Paul uses that to show that in this life, there are many things that we don't fully understand. I think about some of the loved ones that I have up in heaven right now. I can tell you right now, they understand some things about the Word of God that I have yet to understand. Amen? Amen. But, guess what, folks? We can know. We can know that the Word of God tells us that one of these days we will know the word more perfectly. We will have a fuller understanding of the word of God. And then Paul closes the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians this way. He says, And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and charity, or love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, like I say, the reason the greatest of these is love is because love ought to be the foundation. 
of everything we do as Christians. Love ought to be the foundation of everything we do as a church. As my pastor Lenny Miller has said many times, we need to love others well. Love others well. That is part of what's expected of us as Christians. We like it when people love us, and it's just as important that we learn to love other people, uh, that we learn to love other people. That becomes an important thing as well. Amen? Amen. So there you have it. Um, like I say, this 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians is so wonderful. And it is so important. Um, now we go on to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, you know, one of the things I like about systematic Bible teaching is the fact that with systematic Bible teaching, we understand that with systematic Bible teaching, we understand that we have to talk about everything. We have to cover everything. Everything. And when I come to a chapter like chapter 14, I have to be prepared to talk about everything that I understand and even the things I don't understand. If I were not preaching systematically like I usually do, there are some topics I would never cover. But I cover the topics that I cover because I do systematic preaching. Like I say, God has called me to preach the whole gospel and not just part of it. We find, for example, in chapter 14, verse 1, earnestly pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. He talks about how important the gift of prophecy is. Now, like I say, I think in this particular sense of the word, he's talking about the gift of prophecy as it pertains to the preaching of the word of God. I don't think he's talking about uh, prophecy in terms of predicting what's going to happen in the future. Though, of course, that is also prophecy. A lot of people today have a great deal of interest in the end times. They have a great deal of interest in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they want to know what all is going to happen in the end of time. Well, the Bible says we can know these things. Amen? Amen. But here Paul seems to be talking primarily about prophecy as it relates to the gift of preaching. He said this is a gift we should desire. Paul goes on to say, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit, but he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, encouragement, and comfort. The one who speaks in a tongue 
edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I'll be honest with you, people have talked to me and asked me what do I believe about the gift of tongues. Now, believe it or not, I have been in church services where there was speaking in tongues. Now, these were typically Pentecostal churches, not Baptist churches. But it was done in a biblical sort of way, in an orderly way. And I don't really have any issues with those who speak in tongues. It is not a common practice of mine. I will say that. But I'm not going to say it's not for others. But at very at the very least, it is a gift that does something for you, but probably nobody else. But Paul says when it comes to the gift of prophecy, or in this particular case, the gift of preaching, everybody benefits, and the church benefits as well. He says here, I wish that all of you could speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he also interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or some knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even in the case of lifeless instruments, such as a flute or harp, how will anyone recognize the tune they are playing unless the notes are distinct? Again, if the trumpet sounds a muffled call, who will prepare for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Assuredly, there are many different languages in the world, and yet none of them is without meaning. If then... I do not know the meaning of someone's language. I am a foreigner. And to the speaker, he is a foreigner to me. Now, get what Paul is saying here now, okay? Paul is telling us that um, if he is around someone and they're speaking in tongues... that is, they're speaking, for example, in a foreign language, then obviously he can't communicate with them, and they cannot communicate with him, and he cannot communicate with them. Um, so he says it makes you like a foreigner to me, or me like a foreigner to you. Now, in verse 12, he said, It is the same with you, since you were eager to have spiritual gifts. Now, I think Paul would say this is a commendable thing. The fact that um, 
these Christians at Corinth are desiring the spiritual gifts. Usually that is the sign of a maturing church when they desire spiritual gifts. Since you were eager to have spiritual gifts, he says, strive to excel in gifts that build up the church. In other words, these are the gifts you need to be going after. Gifts that edify the church and build the church up. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What then shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. Otherwise, if you speak a blessing in the spirit, how can someone who is uninstructed say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you're saying? Now, by the way, I do think that the Bible is very clear when it comes to having an orderly church service. And that is the fact that we as Christians should make it a point to see to it that if there is someone in the church speaking in tongues, that there is an interpreter. The Bible is very clear about that. Because it doesn't do anybody any good to hear someone speak in tongues unless they know what that person is saying. He says, you may be given thanks well enough, but the other one is not edified. I thank God, he says, that I speak in tongues more than you all. But in the church, I would rather speak five coherent words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now here I believe Paul is probably talking more so about different languages as opposed to a spiritual or heavenly language. Paul being the kind of man that he was, and, and let's face it, Paul was a highly educated man. And as such, he probably had the ability to preach and proclaim the gospel in a number of different languages. But whatever people he was with, that's the language he spoke in. Because that's the only way they would get any benefit out of it. Amen. Then Paul goes on to say, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, in regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be mature. It is written in the law, by strange tongues and foreign lips, I will speak to the people, but even they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So if the whole church comes together and someone speaks in tongues and some are uninstructed and some unbelievers will come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? I, I, can, I can see that happening. I could see a situation where 
somebody speaking in tongues, an outsider comes in, and they're not religious or anything like that, they wonder what in the heck is happening. They don't know. And to be honest with you, it's scary to them. And it may cause them never to want to come back. I have actually had people tell me about times when they went to a church service where there was a lot of speaking in tongues and people were uh, so-called dancing in the spirit and some were slain in the spirit. And it scared them to death. They never came back to church. So, Paul is saying, if you're going to speak in tongues, do it the right way. But if an unbeliever or uninstructed person comes in while someone is prophesying, he will be convicted and called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart will be made known so that he will fall face down and worship God, proclaiming God is truly among you. Next, Paul goes on to talk about orderly worship. Now, not only here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but in other passages all throughout the Bible, we find that Paul talks about the importance of the church service being orderly. Now, say all the other books of the Bible, the books of the Bible that Paul read, now, by, I mean, wrote. Now, I believe Paul wrote 14 books because I believe that he wrote Hebrews. If you don't believe he wrote Hebrews, then you believe he wrote 13 books. And in several of these books, Paul emphasizes the importance of an orderly worship service. He says, What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together, everyone has a psalm or a teaching, uh, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done in order to build up the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak in turn, and someone must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he should remain silent in the church and speak only to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is seated, and the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to prophets for God is not a God of disorder but a God of peace as in all the churches of the saints so Paul talks about the service being orderly now I do know when I was in seminary we talked a lot about having an orderly service for example, uh, many believe that when you uh, come into the church, you should be handed an order of service. Uh, 
this would let visitors know what's going to happen and when. Others say, no, I don't think you ought to do that because that might hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. So just depend on the Spirit to lead you and prompt it. Now, like I say, I can see it both ways. But Paul talked about the need and the necessity of worship services being orderly. Okay, now, this is where some people feel like Paul stops preaching and he starts meddling. <laughs> some of you are not going to like this next paragraph that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul says, Women are to be silent in the churches. They are not permitted to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they wish to inquire about something, they are to ask their own husbands at home, for it is dishonorable for women to speak in the church. Now, I think we have to understand here that Paul is addressing a situation that existed in his day based on the culture of his day and the problems that they were having in their culture Paul felt that it was best for women not to speak in the church service women did not need to be speaking he said in the church service and if they have questions then they need to go home and ask their husbands now by the way I've said this on other programs I'll probably say it even on future programs and that is the fact that a wife who is a Christian assuming that her husband is also a Christian she needs to be in submission to her husband the Bible is very clear about that not just in this chapter but in other chapters as well Paul goes on to say did the Word of God originate with you are you the only ones it is reached if anyone considers himself a prophet or a spiritual person let him acknowledge that what I am writing you is the Lord's command but if anyone ignores this he himself will be ignored so my brothers be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues now that would be my policy exactly that would be my belief exactly be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues I know some Baptist friends of mine that are in the ministry and they have preached long series of sermons against speaking in tongues I will not do that I believe some people who speak in tongues are some of the most spiritual people that I know but they would also say in proper perspective that in reality it is a gift that primarily benefits them and not other people amen but on the other hand prophecy 
is clearly one of those gifts that benefits everyone in the church. Now, I don't know about you. I love preaching. I love teaching. I mean, I really do. And it does me a world of good to listen to what Paul would call prophecy. I call it gospel preaching and Bible teaching. I thank God for Christian radio. I thank God for online preaching and teaching. Nowadays, between what we hear at church and what we hear on the internet and Christian radio and Christian television, we have pretty much an unlimited supply of preaching. Amen? Amen. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I want more of it. <laughs> but Paul goes on to say, as he concludes chapter 14, but everything must be done in proper, in a proper and orderly manner. In a properly and orderly manner. And that's how Paul closes out 1 Corinthians chapter 14. That means we have two more chapters remaining in 1 Corinthians. We may very well cover those two chapters in our next uh, podcast. But I want you to know that we will be, um, like I say, picking up with chapter 15 in the next podcast, probably covering 16 as well. Then we'll go on to 2 Corinthians. That should be another blessing. And then we'll just follow the leading of the Lord from there as to where we're going to go. Now, I hope these things are helpful to you. Like I say, uh, one of the things that I have found when you're preaching systematically like I do, and most people call this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter preaching. Some call it expository preaching. It forces you to address every topic in that chapter or book, whatever you're reading. I don't have the luxury of being able to skip over anything. Now, if I were preaching tonight in a topical sort of way instead of preaching in an expository way, there are some subjects that I touched on tonight I wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole. Uh, I would probably, on my own, go out of my way not to preach on the subject of tongues, for or against. Mainly because I, I do consider it a divisive issue. But now, in the case of what we read about tongues tonight, I think Paul was clearly, clearly, clearly uh, pointing out some practical things about tongues. And I don't think this is stuff that we can disagree with. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I've enjoyed our session tonight studying in the Word of God. Like I say, this is something all of us need to do as Christians. It's amazing how much strength that we gain through the studying of God's Word. Uh, I, I personally believe that all of us need to spend time privately in study of the Word of God 
And I would say in, in that realm, we ought to spend at least 30 minutes a day privately studying the Word of God. And that would be in addition to whatever time we spend listening to the Bible on the Internet or church or Christian radio, Christian television, etc. You know, it's just something that you and I need to do, and it will help you and I grow as Christians. We will grow in our knowledge of the Word of God. Now, once again, I have two email addresses if you want to... Uh, send me any prayer request or ask me a Bible study question, you're welcome to do so. Uh, one of my email addresses is warrenlandis at yahoo.com and the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. Amen. And if you authorize me to, I'll be glad to share your Bible study questions and prayer requests with our unseen, unnumbered podcast audience. But I do thank God that people listen on a nightly basis to this podcasting ministry. So there you have it. I'm going to do something right here. I wasn't originally going to take time to do this tonight, but I'll tackle a few of these questions. Here's somebody actually asking me, do I believe that God still performs miracles today? And I, I would say to that, yes, I do. And the reason I do is because I myself have seen so many miracles performed in my own life. And uh, somebody here is wanting to know about um, um, the Holy Spirit. Do we get it at the time we're saved or do we get the Holy Spirit later? Uh, I believe, and this is pretty much in line with what most Baptists believe, I believe that when you get saved and come to know Christ as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes up residence inside your heart. That's what he does. He takes up residence inside your heart. And so in one sense of the word, when you get saved, you basically get all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. But after you get saved, and the longer you're saved, you should have a desire to live your life according to the leading of God's Holy Spirit. We have to understand that we can't live the Christian life on our own. We have to invite the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life in us. Now, by the way, another work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit prays for us. I know that on a number of occasions, the Holy Spirit has prayed for me. That's where you're praying, and all of a sudden you get to a point, you just don't know what to say next. You don't know how to pray. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, and he takes over. Amen? <laughs> Amen. And, of course, we can't deny that without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. I, I couldn't even think about doing one of these here podcasts if I were not backed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Most pastors of most churches that I know would tell you they could not begin to be pastor of their church if they were not empowered to do so by the precious Holy Spirit. Amen.
Praise the Lord. That is something for us to understand. Okay? Now, I want you to uh, send me any other questions you have. Uh, I had just those two out in front of me. And I said, I'm going to use those on another broadcast. And then I said, no, I think the Holy Spirit, for some reason, is leading me to answer those two questions right here, right now. But anyway, um, I've enjoyed being with you this evening. God bless you, and don't fret none, because I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.